Hey America, this is your Mutt Force Commander, J.D. Collier, and this is the Eagle Haas and Hound Podcast. Today's episode, I will discuss the third part of this book, 400 Souls. I'll finish up discussing JFK, and I'll introduce a new Haas, uh, William Lloyd Garrison. Yeah, that's right. That's my dog, Vader, if you can hear him. Today's episode, I'm also going to feature the Eagle Attribute of Strength. So let's get on with the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast. This is the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast. Welcome. Created by Eagle Impact and Johnny Tilt Productions, this podcast honors and respects the service veterans and spouses, the social integrity heroes of our past, and the common American mutt. That's right, you. With this podcast, we provide a platform for respect. We respect the Eagle. That is, the individual with a service background, the sworn hero from the uniform who has risked it all for our protection. Plus, we respect and honor the Haas. That is, the social integrity leader from our past, such as Franklin, Ulysses, Lincoln, and others from our American history. Finally, we respect you, the Hound, as we discuss the topics of the day, listening and learning together to improve our work, home, and family. Each week, we will bring you value in the form of knowledge and perspective, just like you heard, we're all in this together, so get ready for another excellent show. It's the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast. America, this is J.D. Collier. This is the Eagle, Haas, and Hound podcast, and I'm trying a new thing today using Zoom, and also I wanted to use Zoom because I can use my microphone, and I hope that the sound is better this way. Perhaps it is. <laughs> I can hear it in these in these headphones, so it seems like it does better whenever I move a little closer to the mic. So hopefully that's good for you. Sounds good for me. So uh, today is, uh, well, it's actually Thursday. I usually try to do my podcasts on Wednesday, but I was just incredibly busy yesterday. Um, my, my, my work keeps me busy, and then in the evening time, I uh, took my family to see a movie at a drive-in theater. Uh, this movie was, uh, <laughs> it was like one of those animated features. I think they called it Stork, and it was quite good. I liked it a lot, um, but I just didn't have time to do my podcast yesterday. Usually, uh, I do find some time. Uh, this is the morning on Thursday, and I'm going to spend a little time with you, America, and talk about the uh, the eagle attribute of strength. And of course, uh, I mentioned, uh, going to finish up talking about JFK and introduce a new Haas, uh, William Lloyd Garrison, um, plus talk about this book, this uh, 400 Souls. I've been uh, trying to work on this for three weeks now, and it's, it, you can see how thick the book is. That's why, because, you know, I'm, I'm just not a fast reader, and there's so much good information in here that uh, it, it bears it bears taking a little bit more time. So I have been starting to get the notices from the library that my book is coming due. <laughs> and uh, you might have heard earlier, I, I was uh, <laughs> surprised that my dog was barking. So I got him, I actually recorded him. I hope you could hear him. Uh, that's my dog, Vader. And you see him at the end of my video. Anyway, um, it's a great day. Uh, here it is, uh, the middle or the end of June. It's the 24th of June of 2021. And um, looking forward to the summer. I uh, started making some plans for my vacation. I'm going to go out west to see my family. I'm going to see my dad and brothers and uh, 
um, most of the Collier family. And also, uh, I get to go to Ohio and see the, the rest of the Collier family. My dad came from Ohio. And so his siblings are there, his mom is there, and uh, we're going to have ourselves a little time around the 4th of July uh, there in Ohio. And also uh, after that, you know, I'm going to go out to uh, West Texas, uh, the West Texas town of Clovis, New Mexico, to uh, see the rest of my family. And um, unfortunately, uh, my wife is, she's going to stay back with my son, but it's going to be me and my two youngest kids, uh, my daughters who are 10 and 7. So we're going to have our have ourselves a time. <laughs> uh, but that's another thing that's been taking up my time is all the planning for this trip. So it uh, looks like the plans are finally in play and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it because I'm going to get to see some of my friends uh, and, and uh, you know, of course, my relatives while I'm out there. I might even I might even uh, do a podcast while I'm out there. I think I will. And if, if I can round up one of my friends to be on the podcast, that'll be great. Another thing I've been working on is trying to get some guests for the podcast. So uh, <laughs> uh, there was a guy I was trying to get him to make me some t-shirts for my family reunion and he was going to do it. And uh, then at the last minute, he's like, I just can't, I can't get it done in time. So anyway, uh, he's agreed and he, he would like to be one of my guests uh, on, on the podcast. So I, we, we just struck up a good conversation and I told him, Hey, you know, when we, when we have the podcast, it's just us shooting the shit and recording it. And uh, then it becomes a podcast. So uh, you know, we'll see. I, I, I think it's going to be great. And then, of course, uh, my other friend, uh, he was on my podcast a few weeks ago, Clovis Williams. He, uh, he's getting ready for another one with me. We're going to go in a few weeks uh, when we can finally make our, our schedules collide. Uh, we're going to go over uh, the Haas called Medgar Evers. Okay. So uh, anyway, I'll just do a quick mention of Medgar Evers. If you don't know who he is, I hope you can do some research on your own so that you're ready to listen to our podcast when it comes up in a few weeks. Um, so Medgar Evers, he was an eagle and uh, an, an American hoss, okay? Uh, the man, he perished uh, on June 12th, 1963 because he was shot by a cowardly uh, guy who uh, basically... Uh, was lurking across the street um, at night. He Medgar pulled into his driveway uh, around midnight, and uh, as he gets out of his car, uh, this 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 guy um, um, I forgot his name already, but he he uh, looked you know he was a Euro American, and uh, Medgar was Afro American, and uh, that night I mentioned that. June 11th was the speech that JFK gave to America stating that he's, he's not going to have this uh, uh, racism problem and that he's going to implement and he's going to push through Congress civil rights. And uh, very, he very well said that. Um, I think the emotions of the evening, some people who didn't like what JFK was saying, like this, uh, this murderer who murdered Medgar Evers uh, that night, um, you know, it stirred up a lot in America and, uh, it, you know, 1963, I think is a pivotal time in our history and, uh, somebody as courageous as JFK to say what he had to say, you know, he ended up, he ended up paying the price and Medgar Evers, he was, he was an activist, uh, in, in Mississippi speaking out, uh, against the treatment of, of Afro-Americans. Okay. And he was advocating to, you know, basically boycott businesses that are not going to serve you. 
and things like that. And, you know, being, being outspoken, being, uh, somebody who was respected and, uh, he, you know, he was just brave, brave enough to say what, what needed to be said like JFK did. And well, unfortunately, uh, you know, there was somebody who decided to shoot him and, and he died that night. So I'll talk about him with my buddy, uh, Clovis Williams in a few weeks. And I think, I think you're going to enjoy that. So, you know, here on the Eagle Haas and Hound podcast, if you're new, uh, we talk about the Eagle, we talk about the Haas and we talk about the Hound. So in reverse order, let me talk about the Hound. The Hound is every American mutt. It's you, it's me. Okay. We are the American mutt. And I say that we are the same. Okay. So everybody in America, we got here some way. We either got here from, see that we are the same. Okay. We got, we got to America some way. Either we, we uh, recently were uh, an immigrant or maybe we landed on the airplane here yesterday, or perhaps uh, we came over with uh, the colonization process um, way back when some of our family and even further back, some came here uh, immigrating to find, you know, new hunting lands and new, new places uh, to, uh, to basically live from uh, you know bridging over from the asian continent okay so they those who came from asia you know during the ice age walked across the ice got over into north america and, and then populated north america and south america and we call them native americans so everybody came from somewhere else and that's one of the ways that we are the same we all came we all came from somewhere else okay we are the american mutt we're here in these Americas, North and South America and Central America. And uh, th this, is, this is what we are. We exist here, okay? And we exist as a melting pot. We have various different uh, looks, okay? And that's one of, one of the ways that we are the same is that we have our, our share of differences. But I say uh, we in the core, in the core of us, who we are in our core, the red, white, and blue of who we are, okay our red blood our white bones and the fact that we love our home of blue that's what makes us the same and that's what i try to try to talk about on this show uh i i give you the title of american mutt okay that's you that's me that's all of us here and uh we are striving striving valiantly to uh to be one group of people in america who love each other and respect each other we are the american mutt so that's the hound, okay? The hound is the American mutt, and that's you and me. Um, the hoss, okay? The hoss, going in, in reverse order of eagle, hoss, and hound. The hoss is an individual who uh, we look to as a hero, okay? Someone from our past, someone who did good things, and somebody who basically helped us to uh, formulate uh, our, our ideals of, of our concept of freedom, Okay. And these are individuals who were brave. Some of them even lost their lives being brave, uh, you know, for, for our benefit. And uh, we salute them, of course. Well, um, so every week I try to present a new hoss uh, as much as I can. Sometimes uh, this re recently I've been talking about JFK for a couple of weeks. Um, but I call JFK a hoss because of his courage, especially on that night of June 11th, 1963, when as president of the United States, he gave a speech to America, um, basically outlining his expectation that, that the country uh, start treating everybody with respect, okay, and allow uh, everyone to go to whichever school they're able to go to, 
and um, stop this nonsense of the, the racial segregation that had been happening for way, way too long in our country. So, uh, so there's an example of a hoss. And of course, uh, I talk about my favorite hosses, uh, Benjamin Franklin and Ulysses Grant. Uh, and they, they, the, to, to those guys, uh, they make up uh, the two uh, on the Franklin Ulysses 150. You've seen, you might've seen me uh, flash this Franklin Ulysses 150. Uh, you can see Benjamin Franklin and Ulysses Grant on there. Um, and then of course, uh, Abraham Lincoln, and uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Those those are my my four favorite hosses, and uh, those are good examples of individuals who did a good thing to uh, help us uh, advance our our concept of freedom here. So, and then of course uh, the eagle. Um, I I want to I want to celebrate the eagle, and and if you're an eagle, what what do I call an eagle? I call an eagle somebody who uh, has served our country, okay, in some way in uniform. Under, under oath, okay, with a code of conduct, and uh, they were able to stand and protect us uh, and help us to advance our, our, uh, our way of life, okay? And these are individuals from armed forces, law enforcement, fire and rescue, and spouses. I call you an eagle. I don't call you a veteran because uh, too, too often I think the veteran term has had a negative connotation in our society and culture, and I wanna give you a, a positive, uplifting, uh, term and I call you an eagle. So we talk about the eagle. The eagle has the attributes of strength, honor, courage, commitment, and respect. And also uh, they are imbued with service and sacrifice. And uh, those, those, those attributes, those things that I just mentioned, those are the things that make up the eagle and the concept of the eagle. And uh, I believe, uh, you know, this show is about work, home, and family. In, in work, okay, in our work, in our workforce, I believe that uh, our workforce and and the economy in general and companies in general are seeking those attributes that I mentioned: strength, honor, courage, commitment, and respect. And they want those attributes within their company. Uh, they may not be able to get enough people who are eagles who have those attributes naturally from their experience. But I believe that companies want those attributes, and I want to introduce that idea into uh, into our workforce in America and, and beyond. Okay, because uh, I think those are global those are global needs. Okay, companies need those kind of things uh, for leadership in their company. Um, you know, to continue uh, making it making it so that everybody can make a decent living in, in a place. Uh, that uh, that values leadership and values those kind of those kind of attributes. So this is the Eagle Haas and Hound podcast, and today uh, I'm going to mention the the uh, eagle attribute of strength. So I've mentioned it before that I, I believe strength is uh, I, I define it as faith beyond yourself. So and what do I mean by that? Well. You know, mentioning how somebody comes from a service background and they've they've had a, an experience being in the service. This experience in the service, you uh, you often find yourself on a team, and and you 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 early on you you realize that everything that you're going to be doing is going to be uh, from a team concept, and you realize that you're not all by yourself. And everything that you do, you've got to be able to be cooperating, collaborating with your teammates, and They've got to be able to count on you to, uh, to do your part. And you, of course, count on them to do their part. And uh, what happens is you, you get this team mindset. 
and you know that you are much stronger than yourself. You're much stronger because you have the whole team around you. And so you develop this, this strength of mind. Okay. Um, and, and really it's, a, it's a kind of, it's, 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 it's almost a, a sort of love. Okay. This, this, this love that you have for your teammate and how much, uh, you, you would basically lay your life down for your teammate. That's, that's how it goes. And, uh, it's, 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 va- it's essential. Okay. When you're in service, it is essential to have that mindset and everything that you do in training, and everything that you do in operations during uh, during your service, when you're in uniform, um, you are you are building that team mindset and uh, what I call strength. So uh, this is you know this is something you know as I mentioned before that it's one of those things that it helps in the workforce to have that team mindset. Even even if you're not in uniform, of course uh, you know I'm talking about the eagle, the one that is a post service uh, uh, hero. They're in the workforce and uh, doing good for our society and community, and and that's the, and they're bringing that strength, okay, that that team mindset. Um, whether they are the appointed leader of the team, such as you know a manager or a director or you know somebody like that, um, or they are one of the you know just the, the the team players who's also a leader, you know, kind of a a de facto leader of the team. Uh, someone who people look up to and can count on and have and have a certain amount of respect for. Uh, those those are the eagles that are out there in the workforce and in, in the eagle concept, um, uh, which is alive and well. And, and you know, um, we have less people who are uh, have had the service background nowadays because we just we just have you know we don't have that many people who've who've served. Uh, you may remember the Greatest Generation. These are the the people who grew up during the Great Depression which was a tough time for the whole world really. And then uh, here comes World War II and most of them came, came of age and, and they fought during World War II uh, or participated during World War II in, in some form or fashion of service, such as the Rosie the Riveter um, and uh, being, being a, I call the Rosie the Riveter person an eagle coming from the greatest generation. I got to show you a picture. Uh. This <laughs> here's Rosie the Riveter. Okay, um, it, you know this is just a little uh, a little tin of it. You know, and oh wow, check it out, made in China, of course. You know, <laughs> so uh, my grandma was a Rosie the Riveter uh, back in World War II. She worked in California in the uh, in the air aircraft uh, factories. I think she was working on engines, and so. Uh, you know, she gave her service during World War II in that way. And I think many, many people all over the world really did. And uh, in America, we celebrate Rosie the Riveter um, because of that kind of service, that selfless service that was given. And eventually, of course, uh, you know, we, we were able to prevail in that, in that conflict. And, um, well, the thing about it, I was trying to mention that there aren't very many people who are eagles today and and there used to be a bunch okay there used to be a, a majority a majority of the workforce was uh was, was an eagle either they being male or female they had they had served during that world conflict and then of course there were some other ones too uh you know uh, in in america's stance against uh the communist advance um we had we had the the conflict in korea we also had the conflict in vietnam and other areas of the world where uh, you know Americans who had to be in uniform 
had to be, I say, because a lot of them were drafted and uh, went out there and stood for us and stood to advance our concept of freedom and, and offer that freedom to as much of the world as possible. Um, many of those folks come back home and they're eagles, okay? But, you know, I'm, I'm uh, newly defining the eagle here in this modern age, and it's because uh, I'm re- well, I want to recognize that the, the attributes of, of those individuals are what help advance our country in, in uh, the, because there's, there's so much, so, so few. Right now, only about 1% of our, of our population is in uniform, and um, only 7% of our population is veteran. Uh, armed forces veteran. Um, so it's, it's a, a very small minority and there's, there's fewer and fewer. And as uh, individuals from the Vietnam uh, uh, era are retiring, okay, they, m- most of them have retired already. Uh, we have very few eagles in the workforce, okay. Our, our, our work, our, our, uh, our armed forces are all volunteer and so, you know, I mentioned only about 1%. We only have so many slots and uh, so many people that are qualified to fill those slots. And so anyway, we just, we just don't have that many anymore. But the same concept is, is existing. When I, I served in the Navy and uh, the people that I served with, I, I was very proud to serve with them and uh, happy to, to, to stand with them. Um, just I can see that the talent that we have jumping into uniform today and standing for us. It's the best that best that we've got there. These are excellent individuals and uh, they come from all walks of life. And, and I feel like we are in good hands with those people that are, that are standing up for us. And uh, they're going to be the Eagles of tomorrow. Those who are in uniform today. So uh, I celebrate the Eagle today. I talked about the Eagle attribute of strength and um, I would be interested if you had any comments on strength, have you ever experienced uh, this this team mindset uh, working well for you in uh, your workforce or in the workforce for you or maybe within your family or your your community? You know, get, drop me a line, drop me a comment, tell me about that. All right, so I'm going to finish up talking about the Haas JFK. Uh, you know, I just mentioned him a little bit earlier that, you know, he, he basically had passed away uh, in November 22nd, 1963. Uh, I rambled on a little bit last time about my theory of what happened. Uh, I, I do believe that, that he, was, he was speaking out of line from his party, and I think uh, uh, his party operatives, uh, including the, the, the linchpin, um, you know, uh, LBJ, I think that LBJ had something to do with making it so that, uh, that JFK didn't exist anymore. So, um, that's my opinion. Other people have their own opinions. And that's another thing about in here in America is we can, we can, we can actually express ourselves. Okay. We can express our opinions and that's okay. It's expected for us to have a discourse and, and, and talk about what we feel because it's, it, it, it's part of being an American is, is that you are not afraid to speak up and you had, you know, you have a right, uh, your first amendment right to free speech. Okay. And that's definitely one of the ones that I like to stand up for. So here's an example of free speech. Uh, these individuals, uh, Ibram Kendi and Keisha Blaine, uh, they were the editors for this book called 400 souls. And one of the things in America, we go through the American school system and we are learned, we're taught, uh, as best, as best as our teachers can teach us the history of America. And, uh, you know, of course, 
we've been in in our modern age we've been uh, told what what we can learn within uh, you know the five days of the week and the 180 days of school per year and uh, what the books that that were able to be published uh, could te could teach us and how how these lessons could fit in these lessons plans and well you know over the years this this uh, uh, process of educating Americans has has been you know refined and different editions of books have come out and different uh, editors of edited books. And these books I'm talking about are the social studies and the history books that uh, teach our kids what happened that made our country. And too often uh, over time, as time goes on, they're, you know, they're jamming more stuff into the curriculum. And uh, what suffers is how much time is left to talk about things like history, okay? And so I feel like that's, that time is getting squeezed and squeezed and squeezed so much uh, that history gets boiled down to the, the, the most essential points. And um, unfortunately, too many of these points are, uh, are boiled down to be not quite the whole picture. <laughs> and this is, this is an example that tells the whole picture in many, well, it tells a different perspective. Okay. I, I think there, there's a room for a different perspective in America. And I think that's, that's part of our experience is that we have to be able to respect that there's another perspective out there. Okay. So I call this a different perspective on America's history. And it's basically talking about the Afro-American and the history of the Afro-American here. Okay. And they first got here in 20, I mean, sorry, uh, <laughs> in 1619 uh, on a ship offloaded in Virginia. Uh, you know, it says in here that 20 or 20 odd Negroes came off of that, off of that ship called the White Lion. Uh, we in our school system are taught about the Mayflower that landed up in New England, but not so much taught about the White Lion, uh, which brought a year earlier, a year before the Mayflower, brought uh, the first Afro-Americans here to America, and um, they were used for labor, for cheap labor. They were called slaves. They were made into slaves, and uh, this country was being colonized okay it was being colonized by the powers of europe and uh you know for our part of america the original 13 colonies were colonies of great britain okay colonies of england um they were uh of course uh, ruled by a, a, a monarchy okay a king or a queen in some cases and uh england that's how they were they were trying to uh uh, expand their influence on the globe. And, and we were one of those colonies, just one. There were many, many colonies all over the world. And, uh, you know, one of the, one of the great terrors of, of the time back, back in those was, was how they were grabbing people from Africa and bringing them to the new world. So by the time that England had in, in 1619 landed uh, with some of those uh, Afro-Americans in 1619, you can roll back the clock a hundred more than a hundred years and the Spaniards and Portuguese, they had been doing it for already over a hundred years, grabbing individuals from, uh, from that continent of Africa and bringing them across into South America, Central America. And they were developing all this, uh, uh, uh agriculture, you know, like sugar, 
they were made, they were growing sugar cane and they were making it into rum. And then there was a sugar and molasses and, and rum trade and, and also slave trade going across the Atlantic. And this thing was highly developed already by the time uh, uh, the United Kingdom, Britain, was uh, trying to do their colonization of North America. So, uh, of course, Britain, they wanted, to, they wanted to step up the game and try to grab as much of this uh, territory as possible. And, and so they did. They uh, started using the Afri African-American uh, to their advantage and making laws within the colonies to, to stipulate that anybody who came from Africa was uh, designated as a, a second class, not even a citizen. They were trying to call them not even a human, okay? They were basically uh, designating them as chattel, as beasts, um, not even worthy of being a citizen. And uh, that's what all the laws started to become. And, and it was a gradual thing. This book talks about it. it didn't didn't happen immediately. This happened, that happened. And then wait a minute, there's got to be a law. So, you know, if, if uh, one, I mentioned earlier, if uh, a, uh, an Afro-American had somehow gotten their freedom and became free or even weren't free, but they tangled with somebody else uh, from uh, Euro uh, and, and they had a baby. <laughs> well, this, this wasn't going to do. And so they had to write laws and regulations to ban any uh, uh, mixing of people who came from Europe or pe people who came from Africa. And so these laws, they continue to build upon each other and make it more so codified you know in, in law and in regulation and in culture and daily life that uh they they would like to call you a, a a white person or a black person uh this something that that is uh a way to designate so uh, as soon the laws were using terms like white and black white meaning somebody who came from the european continent um or black somebody who came from the african continent and um, so this is how it developed. And this book goes into it and tells about that. Uh, our, our history books in, in schools, um, I'm sure they have some kind of a mention of it, but it's, it's just, it's taught as a matter of fact that somebody's white or somebody's black and not necessarily diving into the reason of why they started doing this, uh, this ugly thing of, of, of calling somebody by a, an arbitrary skin color. And that's one of the, th that's one of the things I think we've got to stop doing. So, this book, it, it goes through the 1600s, the 1700s, the 1800s, uh, and then, of course, it gets into the 1900s to talk about what has happened with the uh, Afro-American experience from the perspective of Afro-Americans, okay? And it's great. It's uh, some things, uh, you know, it, it, some things are shocking. <laughs> you know, there's the talking here uh, about the early 1900s, uh, 1924. There was a fellow named James Baldwin who was born in Harlem in New York. And Harlem was a place where uh, many of the African-American community were able to be there and to blossom into a, a very, very good, strong community. Um, and, uh, you know, in, in stark contrast to the... Uh, to the segregation that was happening all over all over America, it was happening in the form of law in the South. Okay, and these are the states that were the Confederacy. That of course they lost that, and then they they started passing laws um, and uh, to do segregation. But these these laws and this cultural uh, this de facto segregation it made its way up into all parts of America and uh, part of the culture 
And uh, so even in New York, they had to have their own little safe haven of Harlem, okay? So um, here in, in, in 1925, uh, Howard, you know, I'm going to read from this book. This is uh, page 289. This is the, the Harlem Renaissance, okay? Uh, the author being Farrah Jasmine Griffin, okay? So this is just one of the snippets of the book talking about Harlem. In uh, 1925, Howard University philosopher Elaine Locke guest edited a special edition of the journal Survey Graphic titled Harlem, Mecca of the New Negro. Devoted to life in Harlem, featuring essays by Booker T. Washington, Marcus Garvey, W.E.B. Du Bois, and a number of promising younger writers, the special edition quickly sold out. Its popularity led to the anthology The New Negro, also edited by Locke and published in 1925, which, according to Arnold Rampersad, uh, not only served to certify the existence of a great awakening in black America, but also to endow it with the Bible. Okay, so, you know, I mentioned the perspective, the different perspective. So th this is uh, talking about Harlem, and I don't believe that that was uh, mentioned very much in my education, um, but probably wasn't mentioned very much in your education. But, you know, this is, is one of those places that, uh, you know, it gave the, the Afro-American a freedom to be themselves and to, to express themselves in the form of art and literature in plays and uh it, it just became a, a mecca you know like it says here a mecca uh you know many people went there okay many people left places that were not very fun um i think uh, one of the individuals uh uh i can think of uh, who who grew up in harlem um thomas soul okay he i think he was born in north carolina but he went up and he was growing up in harlem um, at the time, in the early 1900s, 1925, there was quite a bit of unrest in the world politically. Uh, there was the, these, the, a lot of experimentation with Marxism, new governments that were popping up in Europe uh, and, and Russia and, and China um, to, to utilize this idea of Marxism for, for, for the new government. And there was uh, the, the communist regime, regimes popping up and the fascist regimes popping up um, to, to try to be authoritarian and nationalist and, uh, you know, basically go against American principles um, of, of the individual having freedom and having the ability to, to, to be themselves. And, and, and so, but there was this great problem, okay? <laughs> you know, here's America preaching freedom. Okay. And like JFK said in his speech, you know, we preach freedom. Um, but in America, there was all, all the segregation and that this is the outcry. Okay. Here, here in this book and all these, these stories of here's a, and as I was talking about how this, uh, situation where America was, uh, preaching one thing, but doing another. And in 1963, JFK was trying to put an end to that. And, uh, he started with that excellent speech, and turns out that he, he was he lost his life. There was a lot of people who were courageous who stepped up and 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 spoke out, and they also lost their lives. You know, people like Medgar Evers, okay, uh, people like uh, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and you know, too many other people have had to sacrifice their life and freedom 
because they were speaking out and they were not happy with the situation of, of how things, things were being done, how certain people were being treated. And so, uh, you know, here at the Eagle Haas and Hound podcast, we, I want to explore that. I want to open up and listen to other voices besides the voices that I've been taught or you've been taught in school. Uh, I want to open up my ears get my get my big trumpet ears open and hear some different perspectives and talk about those on this show um, because I believe there's a lot of room for different perspective here in America so just a, a quick uh, yesterday I took my family to the the movie theater it was an outdoor uh, you know a, a drive-in movie theater and before the before that I was taking my kids to watch or to uh, they were they were enjoying the the little kitty play set there, you know, the swing set and the slide. And, and uh, there was a mom that was wearing a shirt that was different than what I'm proposing. Okay, I say, here's my shirt. Okay, look. I say, we are the same, right? We are the same. And, you know, I believe we are. But this lady was wearing a shirt that said, we different. <laughs> so, I, you know, I just had to laugh because, you know what, it's exactly different than what I'm saying but the good thing is that in America, we are able to have a different perspective, okay? So, you know, maybe in her mind, um, and she was African-American, she's wearing this shirt that says, we different, and I say we are the same. Um, maybe her her feeling is that, you know, there are differences, and there are differences. If, you're, if you look at things like uh, the outer uh, skin color or maybe just uh, the way that people choose to, uh, to be, they can choose to do things differently. They can choose to think differently. Everybody has that option, oppor opportunity, and uh, and that's okay. Um, I saying that we are the same. Uh, we're the same species. Okay, we are. We have the same red blood, the same white bones. Okay, uh, when we get together, we make another of the same species. And when we, if we come together and we actually uh, believe in the concept of freedom, and we we all know that everybody has that concept of freedom, that's another way that we are the same. So, um, but again, you know, here in, in this country, we have the ability, not only in this country, but other countries too, we have the ability to have different perspectives. And, that, and that's a wonderful thing. That's another thing that makes us the same is that we all enjoy our freedom to speak our mind, okay? And uh, that's, a, that's a beautiful thing. So that's another, th another way we're the same. So, um, but I just mentioned the different perspectives out there uh, and, and, and celebrate that, okay? Celebrate the ability to do that. Um, so I'm going to mention a little bit about the upcoming episodes. Here is the end of June and uh, we're staring at July. July is coming up and I'm going to be featuring um, some of the hosses who uh, were part of the the uh, uh, formation of America during the revolutionary time frame. Uh, I'm going to be featuring uh, Benjamin Franklin. Okay, I'm going to try to take the glare the glare off of this. But Benjamin Franklin is going to be one of those. Uh, I'm also going to mention Patrick Henry, and uh, I'm going to go over the 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 fellows named uh, Thomas Jefferson uh, as opposed to uh, his nemesis John Adams. I'm going to talk about those guys. And, uh, you know, Thomas Jefferson was opposed to other people, too, <laughs> like John Marshall, uh, one of the first uh, Supreme Court justices. Anyway, those are some of the heroes that I'm going to be discussing in the upcoming episodes of July. Uh, it's probably going to be a wacky ride because, you know, vacations and, and things like that. I may not be able to get everything 
exactly one week at a time on time on Wednesday, like I try to do, but I will do my best to give you one podcast per week. And um, whether I'm here or whether I'm traveling, I'm going to try to do it. So this is JD Collier. I hope that you've enjoyed today's episode and I look forward to uh, making another episode for you next week. And I hope you're having yourself a great summer. So I'm going to sign off for now and we'll see you next week. I go to work and I hit the floor. Hard work, work. 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 All right, guys, that's awesome.